Let's get ready to rumble! Um, hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. Coming to you in a rather weird week, which has been a week of mourning for the entire UK because of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Um, my name is Tosin. I am the host joining uh, in the middle of the country in Birmingham somewhere, away from all the processions and from the people queuing all night to go see the Queen Line in wait. Uh, uh, line in state, rather. And uh, joining me from the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolin. Hello. And if, for those of you who might see this thing on video, you might see that Sharon has got a little tribute in the form of a Paddington bear who is joining us here on the, who is joining us here on the show tonight. And also joining me on the Isle of Wight is Sean. Sean Hi, yeah. Yes. Uh, so um, I think this has been one of those weeks where, where you say, what have you been watching on TV? And I think most of it would just have been really pretty much the queen because that has, that has dominated the airwaves. So, and I think you guys... Well, well, Sean, you, uh, well, I don't know about you guys, but I've found that there's been so much stuff that sometimes I've needed a bit of a respite from it and to yeah. just go, just to go do something else. And uh, Sean, you have done your usual and going to find your respite in the cinema. I have. Yes, I have. And I've started <laughs> to watch a few series, but I haven't, you know, like our thing is you've got to have seen the whole lot. So yeah, I've, our, I've our rule. Yeah, our rule on this show is that if you're going to bring a series to the show, you have to have watched the entire series because if you're going to compare streaming platforms to cinema, it's only fair if you do it with a completed story. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you started a couple of things, but you haven't finished them. Uh, I'm, I've got a couple of things started as well in, in that in that base, in that remote. And Sharon, how about you? I've done the opposite. I haven't watched anything. I've, I, again, <laughs> I've found we've been watching a lot of this because I've had the week off work, which... It's good in some ways, but in other ways, it means that you put the television on and then you just can't, you can't move away from it. Cause yeah. You, yeah. You just, it's there all day. So a few times we have consciously turned the television off and then I have gone and read something. I've just gone and read somewhere because mm. I did decompress a little bit. <laughs> it just becomes a little bit overwhelming. So we have, yeah, I haven't watched anything at all. I know Shawnee invited me to go to the cinema one evening, but we had been out that day and we were just literally just worn out so mm. <laughs> it was like no i just i just i can't yeah um we've been yeah i've been reading rather than watching yeah anything at all <laughs> yeah or all right cool so in in that case we're going to see what we can do we have um four things in the cinema this week some of them have we've held over from other weeks um because we because as we've been saying there have been weeks where sean was just uh, saying that we only had stuff to watch on stream we haven't had anything to watch at cinema then over the last two weeks all of a sudden there's been all this glut of independent movies that just came including a movie that sean saw this week that came out of nowhere mm. <laughs> like, totally. like, yeah honestly honestly this this thing was the cinematic equivalent of a hit and run quite frankly and uh, it's a film that sean has has mentioned the title i still uh, i haven't even googled it yet to see okay what is this film about i don't even know anything like that but we will we'll come on to that but um let us kick off in cinema as we usually do and this week we're going to kick off with a film that has been waiting patiently probably like some of the characters in this film waiting patiently for its moment in the time <laughs> waiting patiently for the time when it has its comeuppance and that is mr malcolm's list a film that we have bumped twice and pushed off um and finally we get to talk about it i think it's actually still in cinemas in some places so sharon you have been waiting as patiently as <laughs> the characters on mr malcolm's list please tell us about this film if you can remember it yeah this is um a cinema release 
um, based on a book that I had never, I haven't read, um, but it is classed as a a Regency romance. But as because there's different um, for those people who don't watch or read or watch um, historical dramas, um, they are there are subgenres within genres. And if anyone has read any historical fiction, um, Regency fiction has got basically an oh its own book case not just a shelf on it you've got its own bookcase and mm. within that there are loads of subcategories and so this comes into um it's like a traditional regency whereas in it's like not saucy like bridgerton is um but it has got quite a modern feel to it so you yeah. call it a mod a, a regency romance rather than a regency historical or traditional regency because of the fact that it uses modern sensibilities but in a historic setting okay. and oh, okay. this so Cheryl, I was just going to say for, for the uninitiated such as myself, because, okay, so you have Jane Austen, which is actual Regency because it was written actual in that period, Regency, right? Regency, yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, because I saw the trailer for this film and when I saw the trailer, I was like, did Jane Austen write a book called Mr. Malcolm's List? <laughs> and yeah. I, I actually had to go go because I was like, that doesn't sound like what she would call a book. It, does, it, sounds, it doesn't sound like the kind of thing she would call a book. But everything about this seems to be a, almost aping Jane Austen. So I had to go actually look up and say, say hang on, wait. So you say that there's a whole subgenre of things that, well, in my sort of like black and white ways, ape Jane Austen. Yeah, so you've got the ones that ape Jane Austen and more particularly Georgette Hare, who okay. wrote her books in like the... 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, she died in the 70s. Um, they, uh, most people ate her rather than Jane Austen. Okay. So they tend to be like the 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 point when Regency romances really took off is like in the 50s because of Georgia Hare. And then since then they have gone down two different paths. You've got your saucy Regency, which is like the Bridgertons, where yep. it's more about the sort of the woman's female sexual experience. Yep. And put in a historical setting, so it's like very much modern sensibilities um, in a historical setting. And yep. then you've got ones that are like a traditional regency where they try to be historically accurate. They try to be more conscious of the period of time rather than a modern love story to set 200 years ago. So yep. I would put this one is in like it's a traditional regency and that it's trying to be um, historically accurate and it's trying to get things right. If you okay. ignore like the casting, because it does do the, the, the sort of quite a modern thing, is, uh, you know, colorblind. The colorblind casting, so, yeah. So if you ignore that, its content is actually very much along the lines of a traditional regency. All right, as cool. There's no sort of really sauciness in it. As, as we would say, my friends, when we would discuss sort of books like this, there's no nipples in it, basically. So <laughs> we, you, <laughs> you know what you're getting. <laughs> so basically, this is a, I keep, I have to remind myself not to keep saying basically because I've noticed whenever I watch my reviews, I say it about five times. <laughs> so I'm going to stop saying it. <laughs> But in essence, this story is a, a romantic story. It starts off with two girls were childhood friends in a lady and a girl's uh, seminary. Uh, the two characters, one's the daughter of a nobility and one's the daughter of a clergyman. So they're basically the same class, but their actual terms of income, they're quite different. Because clergy were regarded as being still gentlewomen rather than working people or they were regarded as being gentlewomen, so they were, they could associate with each other, even yep. though they were, their incomes were quite different. Yes. And the one who's the daughter of the clergy has basically been living in the vicarage with her, her family, a large number of siblings, and the one who's wealthy has been having her come out and she's been in society. So she yes. has been mixing with all the, the grounds and the good. And while she was in London, she, um, the, the most eligible bachelor in town is Mr. Malcolm. 
Mm. And um, he is basically most sought after because he's handsome, he's rich, he's got estates. He is like the catch of the season. And so basically all the girls are like going to throw themselves at him. And one of the characters, she um, is invited to the opera with Mr. Malcolm. And he pretty makes it quite clear very early on that he's bored by her. And because of his, his notoriety, this big thing comes a massive slight and people write, they do cartoons about her and she's basically humiliated because she's presented herself as like, you know, the perfect match for him. Yeah. He's not interested. Yeah. She invites her friend to come to London to basically to lure him into falling in love with her so that she can then spurn him and thereby humiliating him. So it's <laughs> the base it's set up as a great big um, trick on him. And it yes. turns out that she has found out this, the, the main, the first character, the one who has been spurned, that Mr. Malcolm has a list of the qualities he's looking for in a wife. So they have to be, you know, handsome. They have to be from a good background. They have to be conscientious and um, they'd be charitable and be intelligent, be interested in politics. And so there's quite this, this extensive list. And she thinks, ah, oh, my friend would probably meet all these qualifications. So if, if you come to London, if you get him to fall in love with you, then you spurn him. I get my revenge and you get... Dun, dun, dun. So that is our story. It is the, the tangled tale of how when she starts off thinking, I don't think this is quite a very good idea, but okay. And then they're actually falling in love. And then it's like, what, oh, what, what will what? happen Sh if... Sharon, what? Spoiler! <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a romance. <laughs> <laughs> is, what will happen if he finds out that it was a bit of a deception going on? Okay, now, now this this is the thing, right? So from that from that basic description of what the film's about, I kind of feel like you know exactly where everything is going to go. You know where the chips are going to fall. You know that okay, cool, we're gonna do this, and she's gonna go along with it. And oh my god, it's gonna happen that over oh, she is the perfect person. He's gonna fall in love, and she's gonna fall in love. But then he's gonna find out, and then it's gonna be a whole big falling out. And then oh my god, what are we gonna do? We ruined a big good thing. Why did we do this in the first place? And then finally, whatever the regency of whatever the regency equivalent of the run through the airport is. <laughs> happened i don't you've know you've read oh. the book <laughs> you've read it, it, it it's like oh, it's... one of a, the, a, there's a thousand like it i have to say <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i guess the, the regency equivalent would be like you know a quick horse ride through a field i don't know but so 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 this strikes me as one of those things where that it's it's not about oh oh they did something different it's about how well they've done what they do because uh, I, I heard of i was someone was talking to me earlier today about people who nowadays self-medicate with the tv show friends like you put it on to make yourself feel better and this strikes me that if it's done properly it's the kind of film that you put on to make yourself feel better do they do a good job with it they do and it's like the like a dozen books of the, of the type um but again those there's a there's a comfort to reading a book where there's almost like a guaranteed, it's called an HEA, Happy Ever After. And they haven't have an acronym for it. So there is a guaranteed HEA. And sometimes when you see, I mean, a lot of these books are on Kindle. And when you read the books at Kindle, they have this sentence at the end where it says, like, no cheating, no violence, 
or, or whatever, and then a guaranteed HEA. So you basically, you know what you're getting. <laughs> and that's part of the verb of selling you the book. There's, some, there's a comfort in knowing how it's going to work. There's yeah. some tension in these books or in yeah. this film. So it is, it does replicate that type of book on the screen. You get, they do, they've done the costumes well. But there's a couple of things that I picked up on. That's just because I know my history. Yeah. So I know the correct way of addressing the daughter of an earl. <laughs> and a few times it's like, that isn't the correct form of address for that character. But yes. I think unless you are a, a pedant about these things, you're not going to bother about that. But I just noticed it because I'm thinking, he would know how to address the daughter of an earl, and that's <sighs> not it. <laughs> so it just made me think, it just took me out, took me out of the film a little bit. Yeah. But that was only a slight thing. But on the whole, I thought, as opposed to some other films we, we have discussed, it, they did get the costumes about right. They got the, the some of the manners right, some of the conventions right. So it felt like yes, it was. You know what you're getting, but what you got was good, and it was quite as enjoyable. And um, yeah, it was a pleasant evening at the cinema. So I was surprised it was at the cinema because it's the sort of film we have come to expect to be on yeah. stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. the sort of film that the last few years that we've seen at the cinema. Yeah. I was surprised when I was watching it, thinking, "What this is." Like a, <laughs> so, so how many stars would you give it i would give it a three because it, you know it does what it says on the tin to use the advertising slogan from the united kingdom um but it you know it delivers what it's supposed to deliver so it hits those right notes and no one is completely jarring um if you again you have to accept that modern casting is colorblind casting so we know that there weren't dukes and duchesses and earls and countesses um from different ethnic backgrounds they were genuinely tended to be white european background yeah so, but if you can say that okay we just that's not relevant to this story because it's about yeah a man and a woman falling in love then yeah it's it's you know it does what it's supposed to do so yeah i could agree yeah i think the 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 okay just a couple of things on the color black casting i think at this time when it can work quite well uh, for instance, I know that there is well, it, it can work. Of the the big one recently was the personal history of David Copperfield. I was going to say that one, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a good movie. That was that, that, was, yeah. that was good. And yeah. I I think I felt like because it's Dickens and Dickens has been told and retold and retold so many times that I thought the colorblind casting actually added something totally new and actually made me pay attention to the thing. And I think it was it was done quite quite well then. And um, but I have to say one of the things is because you have shocked by Dirisu. Who um who plays Mr. Malcolm in this film? Because Frida Pinto plays the female lead, whose name I don't know. But Shockwave Dirisu, just because his name is in the title, I know it's like Mr. Malcolm. And it's it. And the fact is that he's he is of Nigerian descent. He's actually of Yoruba descent, which is like he's of the same tribe as me. And because Yoruba is a tonal language, we have on our names when our names are written properly, there are dashes either above or below our names to tell you how to pronounce them or what intonation to put on the name. And he has started doing this thing where his name, when it comes up on screen, has all the intonations. We call him Amiohun in, in Yoruba. And I was just, when I saw that in the trailer and I saw his name, with I was like, oh, yes, I like that. <laughs> there is a scene in the film where he does, I, don't, I didn't recognize the language, so it's possible that there is a scene where he does talk to her and he does say a few phrases in presumably Yoruba because that's his. <gasps> Oh, okay, cool. Now, you've just made this a must-watch. You... <laughs> he certainly does say a few things in his own language, whatever that is, his culture that Mr. Malcolm is from, but he certainly says a few phrases in his own language. So, because it's... 
they, he, they, they haven't ignored the fact that you know he's that that everybody looks different than you would expect them to look. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be interested to know if you did speak um, Yoruba in in the film. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've made this, you've made this a must-watch now. You've made this a must-watch because yeah, he's he's probably best known for being in Gang Gangs of London, which is a show that Sean, I still think you would love, mm, and I think okay. you should watch that. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. And now we go over to uh, Netflix and Friends, and um, I'm going to take this one because I. I've I've been the only one who's been watching stuff on home that <laughs> that doesn't have to do with the Queen, um, yeah. so um the and I'm gonna come up with the other one the other one on BBC iPlayer now the other one is a comedy series and as I say I usually have trouble sort of like reviewing comedy series because without trying to sort of like do bad recreations of the best jokes and um this stars um ellie white and uh what's her name lawrence socha i think it's either socha socha it's s-o-c-h-a and they the show starts off and you have this um lady who is she's called kathy she's called kathy and she's a bit uptight and she's a bit kind of like you know she's angry with her boyfriend but you can see that she's all kind of like oh this must be done that must be done works in the law office and so she's she's kind of she's kind of like you know cross all the t's dot all the i's kind of person and it's her dad's birthday. She, they're going to have a surprise party for her dad. Everybody goes to the house and then they sort of like, and her mom has organized this surprise party for her dad. And everybody's all like, shh, 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 keep quiet, keep quiet, keep quiet. And he, they, she speaks to one of his friends and she's like, oh, Ben, Ben, do, do you know where he's at? And Ben's like, yeah, he told me he'll be here soon. He'll be here soon. And then her dad walks into the house and is like on the phone going, and it's going, yes, yes, bye. Then he, put, then he puts the phone down and he's like, oh, dar darling, I'm sorry I'm late. I was just having a couple of drinks with Ben. The Ben who was actually in the room. I was just having a couple of drinks with Ben. It's just been such a... And everyone's looking around going, but what do you mean? Ben's here. Then he opens up the door. Everybody goes, surprise! And he goes, uh, 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 and immediately falls dead from a heart attack. <laughs> and the next scene is his, uh, is his funeral where his wife says something along the lines of, it's like he, with me and Colin together, we he was we were together for like thirty years, and he was my sweet music. But only, but then I found out that he had the same sweet music with somebody else, and then you find that in the in the in the church, you have everybody from his everybody is on one side on the other side of the of the church of the pews are only two people, and it turns out that he had had a thirty year affair with a woman, had a daughter with had had a daughter with her who he called Kath as well. <laughs> so he, and these two daughters were born within about a week of each other. So this man had been keeping this thing going on. And it, it all becomes this whole, so the other one refers to this new family that they have, this new, this new daughter that, this daughter that he has. And it's about how this mother and daughter, while trying to go through grieving and dealing with the fact that their dad and husband has been lying to them for the last 30 years and had this whole other family squirreled away somewhere. And, well, that sounds like it could be the plot of an East of EastEnders, or or, or EastEnders for <laughs> anything like that. They bring so much, they they pull so much comedy out of it because this is hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. I mean, they do the typical thing because obviously, if you're going to have one uptight sister who sort of like dot, dots all the eyes, crosses all the t's, the other one is a bit of a free spirit, and one of them because she they were she was the legitimate daughter, got all the best schooling, and the other one went to like a grammar school or something like that and is a bit chavvy and but the way it's played between Ellie White and Lauren Socha is, is so brilliantly done this is a kind of show that totally rises and falls on the 
on the performances and i think the performances are brilliant they are nuanced the 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 sort of things they come up with are great and even though you've seen this sort of like odd couple match before where one's uptight and one's free-spirited i mean think walter Matthau and jack lemon <laughs> the kind of thing it's sort of like you've seen it you've seen it done before but the way it's done here is just really 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 great and i think the all the characters of uh, all the actors are brilliant. Rebecca Front and the final episode because there's two epi- there's two seasons of this and I've only just I've finished season one. I've started season two, and the final episode of season one, I think, does a very clever thing because they play with your expectations of the way this sort of story goes. They play with your expectations of um what of who who usually shows up in these sort of TV shows in the current British landscape. So I didn't watch it while it went out live. But I can see exactly what they would have done. And there's a, there's one there's one character that shows up in this final episode, and you go, "Oh, I see what's going to happen here." Blah 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 blah. I mean, even my wife walked in. I had to show her the episode, and I walked in. She she started watching. And she was like, "Oh, so that's going to be that. That's going to be that. That's going to be that." And they, the way they play with your expectations of the final episode, I thought was really really clever. So I really like the other one. I'm going to totally watch the. I've, and I've started watching the second season. And the first episode shows you that, you know, when a show is kind of tentative at the beginning, then it hits a point where it hits its stride and it knows exactly what it's doing and it's confident and it's, and the first episode of season two is these people know what they're doing now. This thing is, because the second episode of season two just flies. It flies. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're watching a comedy show and then they add one thing and they add another thing and everything just builds up on top of each other until this sort of crescendo and you're like, this is genius. So I really like it. I would give the other one quiet alarm. I know my time's up. It's a, I would give the other one season one a four out of five because I just thought I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I would recommend it. So I would recommend it. I think definitely, Sharon, I think you'd like it. Sean, I don't know. I don't mm. know. You do surprise me sometimes. So, I do, yeah. I do. <laughs> so, but I, I think I think it's really, really good. Right. And now we go back to cinema and we go to Hatching. And now, Hatching, this is a film that Sean wanted to speak about last week, but I know that you and Sharon saw it together at a previous screening, a previous screening. And I was like, no, let's let's put this one off and let's yeah. let let Sharon come in and let's talk about let's talk about hatching. That's ironic because Sharon Sharon would be able to put this much better than I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the, the uh, this was and weirdly when you said you watched hatching, I'd never heard of it until that day, and I'd just seen a trailer for it the same day that you said you'd watched it, and th- th- all I can say is that this trailer looked weird. So Sean, tell me, was I right? Is this film weird? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty weird. I think it's pretty weird. Um, I think Sharon would probably be able to to be more eloquent when she's telling the actual story. Um, so uh, I I don't know. I'll let, I'll let Sharon sort of explain it because I think she's she's much better explain it, and then I can I can give my reactions. Okay, this is set. It, well, just to explain how we became we came about seeing it. They do secret screenings at the cinema near where we live, so you go in and you don't know what you're going to see. Uh, and until it basically starts. Yeah. And so I was thinking, oh, you know, please don't be the animation. Please don't be animation. And I was thinking, I was thinking, it's funny enough, I was thinking, oh, I bet I know what this is. I bet I know what this is. I bet I know what this is. It was, but yeah. So, and so when, and the it screen, wasn't. <laughs> when the screen starts, uh, so all the audience don't know what they're going to get. Mm. So yeah. when the screen starts, it suddenly comes up hatching. 
15 scenes of violence, scenes of gore, scenes of blah, 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 blah. And then instantly some people got up and said, oh, no, I'm not watching that. <laughs> and then another bunch went about 10 minutes into the about film. 10 minutes in, because it's a film set and entirely in Finnish. It's a, a mm. film from Finland. Yes. So as soon as it was like subtitles, a few people went, no, I'm not watching subtitles. I said, I'm off. <laughs> and, then it's a, and then it had a, then you immediately become aware this is not going to be a conventional film. This is, there's a degree of oddness. And yes. then get another people left. So yeah. we were able well, to then choose our seats because the, <laughs> the whole row we were going to sit on was <laughs> like, we're just going to sit there now. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. That was, we liked that. I think people thought we were going to leave. And then we, <laughs> so we sort of wandered down and then we just sat down. So, so, so was the cinema kind of full? It was, it was, was quite a, a few. Yeah, it was quite a few people. Oh, okay, cool, good. Oh, well, at least to begin with. At least uh, to begin with. And then about 15, <laughs> but I'd say about at least 15 people got up and left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. within the first quarter of an hour so basically that's setting the scene so it's a bit of an unsettled start to the film but it's a film set in finland and you see a girl um it's based she is the main character and she is a gymnast she has been shaped and molded into becoming the perfect gymnast and we then find out as the film progresses that basically this is not her own dream this is the dream of her mother who has ambitions that her daughter is going to become a champion come what may she is going to become a champion and all of her own frustrations and fears and desires have been funneled into her daughter yeah and her her mum has got this her own channel where uh, basically she portrays that the perfect finish life it's called something like happiness or happiness every day or I can't oh, like it. like a youtube channel yeah. Her own YouTube channel okay, where yeah, she yeah. films her daughter doing gymnast. Everything is perfect. She has a loving husband. She has this beautiful daughter who looks just like her, her little mini me. And then she has a little, a little boy. And so she has this perfect family and she has this perfect, perfect life. And then the more you see, you begin to see cracks almost straight away. Because at one scene, you see this bird flies into the room. And it's not a spoiler, but at the very beginning, um, they catch this bird. And they think, oh, they're going to catch the bird and then they're going to like release it. But the mother catches the bird and then wrings its neck, basically. So, you know, within the first couple of minutes, this is not. <laughs> this is this not... ain't that kind of movie. <laughs> and so it's, it's unsettling. And then the girl, when the girl goes exploring, she finds, I'm not going to go on about the bird, right. but she finds basically an egg that she believes that this bird, the one that got in the house and was killed by the mum, um, has left her an egg so when you first see her find this egg you think oh, I hope she's not going to smash it or anything but then she decides that as the mother bird is dead she's now going to take the egg and she's going to care for it and it turns out that this is not an ordinary egg that as she looks after it it starts to grow and it starts off the size of like a pigeon's egg and yeah. then it grows to like the size of an ostrich and then it just basically it grows and then it, it hatches <laughs> And then she basically pours into this egg all her fears, all her emotions. She she cares for it. She hides it. She protects it. But when she's upset, set, she cries into it. And this egg absorbed all of everything that goes All her emotions, it. yeah. All her emotions that get sucked into this mm. egg. And then it starts to grow to monstrous proportions. And then <laughs> basically it hatches. And what it hatches is what we then follow the story <laughs> through the rest of the film. What and what has hatched out of this egg? Oh, okay, cool. Thank you very much, Sharon. <laughs> that, that, that nice, nice Sharon, that synopsis. Was so good. 
Synopsis by Sharon. And yeah. now, <laughs> and now, <laughs> let's have a reaction by Sean. So, Sean, okay. what did you think? Okay, well, well, yeah. So, so everything Sharon said, it was it was pretty bizarre, pretty bizarre. But to start off with, I, I was thinking a lot of different things. I thought, well, maybe the egg is 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 not real. It's just sort of something that's going on in her mind, a bit one of those psychological things that you do. You know, it's just her psychology is is actually manifesting itself. Um, which I suppose it, it was really, but uh, yeah, the creature. The, oh, well, I won't, actually, I, I won't give any spoilers. But let's just say there's there's another transformation as well. And all the way through the film, it was, it was really, really sort of an odd film. And it took me ages to think: Do I like this? Do I like this? Do I like? <laughs> I think it was a, a little bit too long for me. It was just that little bit too long. I mean, yeah. I like the idea. I like I like some of the way it went. Um, but yeah, it's pretty bizarre. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. And I mean. Finland looks a lovely clean place, doesn't it? With it, I mean, yeah, the, the, the cinema. I thought the cinematography was quite good. I thought the cinematography was quite good, and I thought it was well acted. I don't know about you, Sharon. I thought it was well acted. Yeah. I thought I thought the girl acted pretty pretty well. Um, so it was yeah, yeah, it was pretty well acted, and there was a lot of other things going on. I quite like. Well, I can't really give the spoilers, so I won't give them all like that. <laughs> you want to see it, but yeah. So I mean. On the whole, I think I sort of liked it. I, I, I didn't di put it this way. I didn't dislike it. It was odd. <laughs> it was strange, but I didn't dislike it. I wouldn't say I was like, whoa, with it. I wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that wow factor. But yeah, it was quite interesting and thoughtful and, you know, made you think a little bit. And yeah, so so that's probably a thoughtful film. I think the last film that made me think of this was like Mother. Was Mother it? or, or yeah. what about Nope? Pardon? Nope. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> So a bizarre film, a strange, strange, rather strange, yeah, rather strange affair. So yeah, I'm still thinking about it now and then. Oh. It still sort of yeah. flicks up. But the right. creature is quite interesting. Yeah, sorry, Sharon. Yeah, I think it's rich in symbolism. I think yes. you can see, um, I could to use it like a biblical expression, you know, sort of what you reap, you sow. Right. And yeah. so I think there's elements of that with the mother-daughter relationship, mm. with the girl and the hatching. Um, her, her own her, her own nurturing relationship yeah well, so how you know the sins of the father <laughs> to use another biblical expression how it's so there's sort of there's rich in symbolism here and i think there's probably if we we looked into it probably more deeply then you'd probably see much more into it but mm. it's, it's it's sort of layered mm. <laughs> so on the surface of it it is it's a, a, a almost like a creature feature <laughs> yeah but then goes down whereas all of these creature features are not basically they are other metaphors or they are symbolic of something else so i can see how it's yeah how it is how it is there, there mm. isn't just a straightforward psychological horror there's there's more to it yeah Spe speaking of that speaking of that before i forget sean if you go onto youtube and look at our review of nope somebody has gone on there and left a comment and it is oh. pretty much an essay on the film and it's one that has been there for about two weeks and i've and each time we've done the show i've been like i don't have time to read this out in full <laughs> because it's quite long but it's pretty much kind of like what sharon is saying like if you go deeper into it you can see a whole bunch of meaning that possibly not everybody would see but <laughs> but yeah so so okay with that um because I, I saw the trailer for this and what you guys were saying about the cinematography i was because i saw the trailer for this and this trailer is wordless there's no word spoken in it but everything about this trailer i was like i don't think this is hollywood 
I don't think this is English. I don't I don't think this film is in English. And it was good to know that that was backed up and everything. But even the trailer with no words in it got the whole thing of this is unsettling across to you. <laughs> it's just so, it's like, it's like everything is, you were talking about it looking like a clean place. It looked really, really clean, but like too clean. Like, <laughs> like, like, like the, the, uh, the, the trailer, the cinema, uh, it, it, it looks intriguing it looks intriguing and it even though i'm not a big horror fan it's a film that be, because it's scandinavian and i always feel like if a film is made in scandinavia something weird is going to come out of that yeah, and yeah. something interesting is going to come out of that but how many stars would you give it for me i would probably just give it a three because i just found it a little bit too long i mean i like the ideas and that and i didn't as i say i didn't dislike it um and it was a very thoughtful film so they'd probably give, give this one a three i think for me yeah, I'm torn between giving a between a three and a four because mm. I like that. I like the look of it. It reminded me in some ways of the look about let the right one in. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of northern, unsettling. You know, there's sort of ancient things creeping in the. But you know, you get that feeling that under scratch the surface and there's something almost pagan underneath there. Mm, yeah. Um, but you get that feeling because I do like sort of Scandi stuff and I do like um Torva Janssen. Who wrote the Moomin books and people think of the Moomins as being like these really sweet cuddly children things but when you read them they have got these dark undercurrents to them mm. and when you read um, Torva Janssen's uh, adult books there's this tone underneath them so I think there's like this part of that Finnish psyche is that you know civilization there is a bit of a veneer in some areas <laughs> and that right. you scratch underneath it and you have got these dark um, there's well, a dark past there yeah, well, well, I, I can totally, I, I, I can identify with that. I mean, you, if, if you're seeing this on video, you can see what the room I'm in looks like, and this is how I live my life when I'm allowed. Uh, so, uh, so I always, uh, whenever anything is like really clean and spick and span, I am immediately suspicious, <laughs> and I am like, nope, nope, that's unnatural, that doesn't look right. <laughs> so, okay, so cool. I'm so we have between a three and a four. So I will, I'll have to give it like a, a three point five. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. We have a 3.5 there from for hatching. And um, now with that cracking on because we've got, let's see, what's this? Five more things to talk about. And now we go back to Netflix. Netflix itself, and we're going to talk about The Sandman. I watched this, and The Sandman is a it's an adaptation of the seminal comic book, or sorry, graphic novel, to give it his grown-up word, um, um, by Neil Gaiman. It's about uh, by Neil Gaiman about Sandman, otherwise known as Dream of the Endless, who is the Lord of Dreams. So the idea is that there is this realm called the Dreaming, which is where all humans go when they fall asleep, and he is in charge of it. And this is uh, this is it's quite a faithful adaptation with some things that have been updated because the book was written in the eighties in nineteen eighty. And there were some things that, you know, the world's different now. So they've updated the things that, um, but the whole idea is that it starts off with this group of people led by Charles Dance. And he is, he calls himself the Magus, Magus, the Grand Magus. And he, they, what they're trying to do is that they are trying to capture death. And they have this sort of like almost occultic ritual where they're trying to capture death. His reason is because he lost his son in the, I think it was the First World War when this thing started. He lost his son in the first world war and he wants to capture death because if they capture death then he can make death give his son back and so they do this whole thing and they they do they run their whole they, they there's the whole extremely arch i give you a feather from an angel and blood from a virgin goat and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and, and th then they do all this thing in this circle and this this 
humanoid looking creature just appears in the middle of the circle and they think they've captured death but they haven't actually captured death what they've captured is they've captured dream who is and in this whole thing you have the you have um there's seven creatures called the endless there's dream there's death there's desire they all start with d there's despair there's i can't remember what the other three are but um and, but they've captured dream instead so they keep him they keep dream in this in this area and they're like all right cool that's it dream although it's known as he has many many names it's kind of like you know one of those game of thrones things where everybody has 15 different names he he is called kaikul he is called morpheus he is called dream of the endless he is called morph i never said morpheus anyway but um so so they, they have him there and they keep him there they and the idea is that he's there for something like a hundred years and it's all about so the first bit that kicks off is what happens when the lord of dreams goes how does that affect the rest of humankind so you have some people who fall asleep and never wake up they don't die they just never wake up you have mm -hmm. some people who can't go to sleep and it's all the stuff that goes and all the wreck have that's wrecked on the world and they have things like there's some nightmares that he's created in the dream world that escape the dream world and go into the real world and one of wow. the nightmares is somebody called the corinthian who is scary as hell because it's scary. Let me let me put it this way: He doesn't have eyes. He has teeth for eyes, and and he go, he comes into the real world and it kind of becomes like a serial killer and all that. And the, this is a show that I think will uh, it already has. It's polarizing. Some people think it's rubbish. Some people think it's the best thing ever. And I I actually own the entire Sandman collection. I have that on my. That's what I have on my bookshelf. Not not Regency romances, Sharon. I have the Sandman on my bookshelf, and I've read. My, right, yeah, I won't point out my shelf there, but that's all my biographies, and I've got about six about the Duke of Wellington, who's my. <laughs> my yeah, it's, my Duke yeah. of Wellington collection. <laughs> yeah, so so that's what I have on my bookshelf. So I've read all of these, and even when I read it, because everybody raved about this comic, I said how brilliant it was, how brilliant it was, and I read it, and I did not think it was as brilliant as everybody was saying it was. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was as brilliant. I didn't think it was like, you know, an undeniable classic. I could, I was reading it going, some people will not like this. And the, uh, the thing about it is because when you have something that's set in oh. dreams, is, and you know, you know how you have dreams, right? You know how dreams can be like all sorts of <laughs> random stuff that goes left, right, and center, and all that. I feel like Neil Gaiman almost took that, and he took... The, the Sandman books are kind of like unbridled creativity. They're just unbridled creativity that doesn't doesn't always necessarily have a... Hang on a second, I'll just put Sean on mute. That is like... that. It's like oh, the unbridled creativity that doesn't necessarily always have a point. It's just kind of like, it's a dream world. I'm going to be creative because I can be creative. And it goes all over the shop and all. And the first bit of the, of the, of the novels, of the graphic novels, is about dream getting free and him trying to reclaim his realm, and him trying to reclaim all these. So it's, it's very episodic. It's like, I have lost my helm. I must go find my helm. One episode about him finding his helm. I have lost my ruby. I must get my ruby. One episode about him finding his ruby. I have lost my uh, my sand. I must get my sand. And an episode about him going and finding his sand. And so it's, so, and you have all these people who come into, uh, like Jenna Coleman shows up for one episode, and each comes into this one episode because it is their own particular episode, and it's all, and it's, it's episodic. So, there isn't really this thing sort of joining it together, which you which you have in the comic as well, because you have it where there isn't something that's really joining the first things together. The second half of the series 
is a lot more propulsive because that's one story. One story that carries all the way through and you have all these other people who show up. John Cameron Mitchell shows up, Stephen Fry shows up, Lenny Henry shows up at one point, even though you won't recognize him. And it, it, it's so... I I liked it. I liked it. But even as I liked it, I was watching it going, you know what, I don't... I, not everybody's going to like this. <laughs> this, is, this is not for everybody. Sean, you know, uh, we've put you on mute if you want to unmute yourself. So yeah, it's and it's and it's and I was like, I was like, kind of like, no, no, not everybody's going to like this. This is, this is, it's, it, it, it's. It, I'll tell you what it's like. It's kind of like you know when they talk about unbridled creativity, and it's about you're watching Morpheus. You're watching Morpheus play by Tom Sturridge, and it's as if you're just watching him walking through one land where random stuff happens, and then oh, next episode, walking through another land where random stuff happens. Oh, now I'm going to go to hell, and we're going to see Lucifer, who's played by Gwendolyn Christie. Yep, that's it. And now we're going to forget about that, and we're going to go. <laughs> this direction and they've done stuff to change the comics because obviously the comics were released month on month and you could do that this stuff starts to change it and to have more of an underlying arching story that links it together and this first season follows the first two volumes of stories that that, that were done so there's a very definite halfway cut in this season where that's that story over with and now a new story so i quite like it i think the design is is good but I think the same problems that I had with the Sandman, the comic carryover, which I, in which I don't, I feel it could be seen as indulgent. Depending on how you are, it could be very well seen as indulgent and it, because it's Neil Gaiman just being creative because it's a dream world and you can totally be creative and uh, let's feel it. Dreams don't make sense. So, so, so yeah, so I would probably, I would give this a three. I'll give this a three out of five. And I would say w- with that proviso that you might like it, you might hate it. And it really does depend on who you are. And I couldn't tell you which one you, <laughs> I couldn't tell you <laughs> where it is that you'll end up. So yeah, that's it. Three stars for the Sandman. Oh, I've been intrigued by that one. So I will check that one out definitely because I've read a bit of Neil Gaiman. So I thought I would, but I wanted to, it's almost like too much to watch in one hit. So it's one of those films I think, and I want to watch it, but I'm going to put it off and watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it, that's that's probably roundabout. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. I mean, there is the it's Neil Gaiman, so you know that it does. There's going to be bits where he goes dark. There's going to be he he has this he has this habit of mixing a fairy tale with some of the darkest stuff you've ever seen about. Like, there's a bit where they get to a bit a thing called a serial convention, and the idea of the serial convention is just it's it. it, it don't worry when you watch that let's see then i'm assuming (laughs) rice krispies versus cornflakes oh it's it's spelt like that (laughs) it's spelt like that but but wait wait actually when you when you watch it you see that it's 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 something totally different but anyway let's let's move on that's three stars for the sandman watch it sharon and let me know what you think and now we go to crimes of the future and this sean you saw this at cinema i did see this at the cinema this is David Cronenberg mm-hmm. back on David Cronenberg style form because even the the synopsis of this film sounds like it's like early 80s David Cronenberg as opposed to history of violence David Cronenberg. So it looks it sounds like Videodrome type of David Cronenberg. Where it, so if if okay let me try and give a brief synopsis from what I've understood about this film. This is set in a future where humans don't feel pain anymore and now what they do for their for for entertainment it's a bit like you know in the olden days where you would go to the Colosseum and you would watch like you know people get yeah. mauled by lions it's but like now- it's like mm, yeah it's, it's it is it's basically it's like an exhibition you know so they've got they've got these 
machines where I wouldn't say there's no pain. It's um, because it is. But instead of um, now, rather than have like, should we say, normal normal relations, normal sex, it's it's all sort of fashion to have surgery and and you know it makes you it's, it's like the new new um the new turn on the, the new turn on yeah so people get and i mean there's a few minutes in it where people are talking about surgery and you can see they're starting to get really sort of <laughs> sort of uh, amorous you know when they're just just talking about it and and it's like a it's like a an art exhibition as well so okay um and and they can they they, they grow new organs and things and they've got these these pod things that um you know, can do operations and stuff, and everybody watches them, and you get pretentious people with cameras, and you know, all video in, and saying, "Oh yes," and you know, and then the after parties where they're all like smoking and just so, and then you've got a couple of <laughs> a couple of ladies that just, oh, <laughs> it's just totally weird and bizarre. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, David Cronenberg. So it's David Cronenberg. So, and yeah, wow. and, and then there's like an, an organ donor place where where Kirsten Stewart lives. With all these, you know, oh, we've got to save all these new different different flavored organs and, and tattooed it's it is totally totally bizarre yes and it's very 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 bloody and if you're a bit squeamish probably or a bit faint-hearted it's probably not for you because you know there's a lot of scalpel work and i'm i'm an artist i'm i'm gonna do you know i'm gonna make this operation and i'm gonna you know oh there's this, this woman that's oh yes well I, I, i'm fed up with being beautiful so i want to be you know she has like a face all reminds me a bit of I used to read the 2000 AD and there was this thing called Otto Sump's Ugly Clinic where you used to make people ugly. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really bizarre. I think the cinematography is really, really interesting as well. And it's almost, it's not like modern stuff. It's like the, 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 the pods and the chairs and all that are all very, very weird and have got very, very weird movements and it's all very bony and it's yeah. just just bizarre you know and all these artists find for oh we can do this we can do that and as you say you've got these two they basically oh i want to go in the pod i want to go in the pod with my girlfriend you know and that so there's there's a little bit of nudity and stuff in there it is an 18 so i i would have been intrigued i so would have loved to have seen this with sharon i would have seen <laughs> just to have a no just to see her reaction because we might have done one of those knowing looks whereas I yeah, might look, she might look surprised what are you doing here Sean? why did you bring me to see this movie you know so but anyway uh yeah no i thought it was um i thought it was really really interesting kirsten is it kirsten stewart she's in it yeah kirsten stewart yeah she is a really really versatile actress oh actually she, she so, is you know she she's is, yeah. really really and she plays a terrific part in this she she really dresses down she's a bit dowdy she's one of these organ ones and she's after the the big artist you know the, so kristen stewart not kirsten. kristen stewart yeah so yeah. kristen stewart yeah so she 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 was really really good as um and I really like the pretentious, arty, you know, like uh, what should we say, the um, the nouveau rich that come and watch these these operations, you know, and all stand around and yeah, you know, come in with the videos and take with the pictures and that, and people, you know, being ecstatic sort of thing by being cut open and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre stuff. Pretty bizarre stuff. So yeah, well, it was okay. yeah. Cool. Well, it, it is like you say, pretty bizarre stuff. But this sounds to me like David Cronenberg, but because back doing his his thing because stuff, yeah. because when i thought of david Cronenberg, i used to think okay david Cronenberg. i'm thinking the fly i'm thinking videodrome i'm thinking dead zone that that for me was always david Cronenberg. then i remember when he came up with the history of violence and i remember 
see hearing about this woman i was like okay so where's the body horror where's the bit where like you know a man grows uh eroded out of his ass or something like that <laughs> where, where where is it and yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like oh there isn't any that then he, then he did eastern promises and you're like okay cool like this is good oh, oh, oh no th this is what is going on here? What is going on with this dude? That he seems to, I even remember like in the 90s existence where they had like, you know, a bone gun that shot teeth at people. And and that that is what I think of when I think of Aiden Cronenberg. And, and, and he so- does, he, he does seem to have a fixation with bony things. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like, he does like his bones. I mean, the, the furniture was like bones, you know, it looked yeah. like some sort of wooden bones, which would move while you're eating and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. and there'd be and, all this like, while you're eating your bits and bobs and the chair would be like tapping you on the head and stuff. And yeah, yeah look at Sharon's yeah. face. So yeah, no, it's just totally, totally. Uh, I'm like, going to put you what, off. Yeah. What is that chair about? You know what I mean? And, and yeah. you know, oh, we can eat in plastic, you know, change the whole. I don't want to system. interact with my furniture. Thanks. No, that's it. It's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre thing. You think, what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Go, yeah, you, see, you see, it's bizarre, but in in a in a in a reassuring way, I'm kind of like, oh yes, he's back. He <laughs> now I know what I'm getting again because when he was making all these films, which are really good, like I love History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Those are really really good films. But when he was making them, I was kind of like, you know, a bit uneasy because you're just waiting for. Something a, a bony chair to come out of yeah. nowhere. <laughs> you're, you're just you just waiting for the fact where you think this is a, this is a this is a film about Russian mobsters in London, and it turns out oh no, it's actually all taking place in like you know an alien's gut. <laughs> and now now this sounds like yes, okay, cool, we know what we're getting from here again. But um, uh, how many stars did you give this one? Okay, so this one. Um, yeah, it was, as I say, it was full of gore and not for the screamish and the faint-hearted, but people like the bizarre, a bit like me, a bit weirdy sort of stuff. But I will give this, I wasn't like wowed by it, so so this will be a, a standard three. I'll give this one a three star. So, okay. you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, it wasn't amazingly good, but it was interesting and quite visually strange. <laughs> well, well, you, see, you see now that's the thing i would expect at least visually strange from david cornerberg there will be something yeah. interesting if if disgusting yeah. <laughs> that's that's that's, a, that's my uh, david cornerberg interesting if disgusting that's that's my three-word review of david cornerberg but anyway uh now we go on to netflix and love in the villa and this sounds like the <laughs> Sharon, your face. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sorry, but no. This this sounds like the type of the film, the the trailer, because there was a, there was they they had a series of films starring Kristen Millian with terrible puns like falling in love within be it's an resort to love, and this feels like it's almost like one of those like, love in the villa. It's not quite a <laughs> not quite a pun, but it is such a mindless title, quite frankly, and it feels like. When we do Netflix with a cinema, this sounds like the kind of film that will sink whatever side it comes out on. If it's in the cinema, it's going to sink it for the week. If it's on Netflix, it's going to sink it for the week. Is that the case? Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is, if you had like painting by numbers for a film, this would be the equivalent of a sunflower that you had like three pots of paint. You had a yellow and you had an orange and you had a green and that's it. You can do the whole picture. <laughs> um, and this is this is a painting by numbers film. <laughs> it's 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 fine, but I only watched it a week ago, and I'd probably, if I wasn't reviewing it, I would have forgotten that I'd seen it. Quite frankly, <laughs> but it's harmless. 
but it is if you aware like of the Hallmark film, they have a a Hallmark Christmas film. Yes, you know that every year they're probably going to produce about twenty of these things, and yes. there's going to be a de- dedicated television channel where it churns these things out endlessly. Yes, and you could put the television on, watch quarter of an hour, and then go away for three hours and watch the next film, and it would almost be like seamless. You probably wouldn't realise you're watching a different film, and you could do that for the whole month of Christmas. You could just watch ten minutes, and basically. 10 minutes a day for the month before Christmas and then by the end of it you would have seen one film yeah and it wouldn't make any difference that it's you know change of cast every 10 minutes it's yeah it's this is you know there's a template for these films and they stick to it and so and this is what they've done so this film is about a woman who's wronged in love aren't they all Mm. and she decides that she's been saving up this is America by the way so they only get like one week's annual leave a year which I think is a thing. It's it's it's, it's it's a thing in America, yeah. Yeah, so that she's been saving up. She's a, she's saving up for her her week's holiday. So she's rented a villa. There's going to be like the perfect romantic getaway for her and her fiance. She's set it all up so he can then finally propose, and that her life will then be. She's been dreaming of this holiday and this proposal for years. <laughs> she's invested so much in this man that this is going to be the culmination of all her hopes and dreams. And then the week before their holiday, he decides that maybe not, that, you know, <laughs> it's all too much and I'm not going. So she decides to go alone. And unfortunately for this particular week, her villa's been double booked. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, there's, and it happens, it just happens that the person who's double booked is this really handsome man. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And when she walks in, he's just had a shower. Oh no! <laughs> so, Triple oh no! It's like a, it's like a whoa, wowzer, oh moment, and then can you guess the rest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't like each other. As a, so initially, it's like they don't like each other, and then they do. Then they something separates them, and they get back together. And then somebody rides a horse across an airport to mix two romantic movie <laughs> metaphors. And then against the background of you know of Verona, which I personally don't like very much because I got bitten by a bat there. <laughs> oh, where? In Verona. Oh, Verona. Okay, cool. I thought I thought you said Corona. <laughs> no, I got bitten by a bat in in Verona, so I, it's not my favorite place in the world. Um, but that's all, yeah. That's it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All, all you need to know. All you need to know. Okay, so so it is. It's. Oh, it's not even like a meal. It's not even like a sugar snack. It's. It's just. It's. It's kind of like an air sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, it's like a bag of Maltesers. It's sort of light. It's satisfying for a little while, but it's you know it. it you enjoy it and then it's gone. It's good. So, but it's it's uh, it's one of those songs. That it's like the bloke from and the woman from. So it's like the bloke from Umbrella Academy, and he was in Merlin, and it's like the woman oh, who yeah. was from Vampire Diaries. So it's that sort of film. It's the bloke from and the woman from Tom Hooper. You know who? So yeah. it it does what it's supposed to do. It's entertaining. It's light. It's fluffy. It's almost instantly forgettable. Um, <laughs> so it's fine. So I can't. I won't be mean about it because it's like kicking a puppy, isn't it? You know, it wasn't ever supposed to be anything other than what it was. It's like the puppy so... pooed on the carpet. Well, it's a puppy. <laughs> 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 it's 
yeah so it wasn't you couldn't hate it it's just it's not in it to hate it <laughs> um, but you couldn't love it as the best film ever either so it is perfect three territory it does what it's supposed to do but it's not outstanding but it's not dreadful either so it's fun it's a happy an hour and a half that you can just um watch it while you're doing something else probably. so so what you said three stars yeah Oh, you know, I was expecting low with him. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, Sean. Yeah, I was as well. I was as well, especially from the from <laughs> the from the text. If from you compared test. it to any other good film, it would be like a two. But it's like if you compare it in its so, own world. Well, like, is, is it one of those things where you're like, look, if you're going to watch a film called Love in the Villa, you know where you get yourself in for. You know what you're so. <laughs> So you shouldn't. So you shouldn't walk around going, "Oh my God, it was a zero star movie." What did you expect it to be? Yeah, because you're not going to say, you know, why didn't this win a Grammy or, or, or Grammy? Why didn't this win the Oscar? Because it was never ever going to be in that world. I mean, it was never going to be. It could never could be a four or five star film. But to give it like a two or a one, um, would be it's like kicking a puppy. It's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't deserve to be mistreated. It's just, oh, it is dear. what it is. So I'll give it a three because it is what it is. Just like a puppy, it's just trying to be cute and fluffy. Yeah. And it, it it achieves that. All right, yeah. cool. That's our final film in cinema. Final film in cinema. Sean, this is the film we're talking about that has shown up out of absolutely nowhere. nowhere. No yeah. fanfare, no nothing. Didn't even know it existed. And this is you saw a film called The Retaliators. The Retaliators. Tell us, yeah. tell us what on earth this mushroom film that has just shot up overnight is. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you the prologue, all right? Because I mean, if even if it's thing. So basically, there's a, a truck full of girls in a in a you know a combi van in a combi van, and they go, oh oh, we got a bit off track. We take a we take better take this thing. We we'll go through this this place, and then they get a tire. They get a blowout on a tire. So one of the girls gets out. To blow a tire and you see a few things running about and all that and then uh, the girl with the tire gets like smashed and these all and it's like you know like uh, creatures that all cut up and bloody zom zombie like and oh, yeah this guy opens the back of the truck and he, he they're going ah it's a zombies and he goes they're not zombies and then he gets dragged under the truck and that so that's the prologue basically and then it goes into the story so that's the yeah. start of the film but it's just so you're like, whoa, this is intriguing. They're not zombies. And off he goes. And then everyone else, then I assume they're all killed because this is another 18 and it's very, very, there's lots and lots of blood in this. So basically the story, I suppose you'd call it, I don't know if you could call it a revenge flick or you could call it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's basically a revenge flick. So it's this oh, creature. Oh, the name like the retaliators. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> this is a preacher and then it, it flashes to somewhere in New Jersey and they're buying a Christmas tree and there's this reverend, this father with it. He's got his two girls and one of the girl, one of another bloke takes a Christmas tree and he sort of turns the other cheek, you know, he's like, Oh, okay. Then, you know, happy Christmas and all that. And his daughters are a little bit, you know, oh, Dad, why don't you stand up? You know, you work out and stuff and all this. Why don't you, but he's, 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 a, he's, he's a pastor. He's a pastor in the church. He's got a big oh, congregation. Yeah. So yeah. So he's like turns the other cheek and stuff. And then let's just say something happens to one of his daughters, which, was really really good. It wasn't silly what ha what happened, you know that sort of thing. It wasn't it wasn't like silly. So I thought, oh, wow, this is uh, this is actually something that could possibly happen. Yeah. And of course, so let's just say, you know, he's still he gets it. All right. So basically, this is just like a total 
back to the 80s schlock horror. Total loads of blood, loads of gory characters. You've got Hell's Angels. You've got, uh, you know, loads of druggies, loads of sleazeballs, loads of... Um, it's just... Man, it's just great. It's just It was just so out of left field. It was just like... I cannot believe I've, I've so long have I watched over the weeks. There's been these films that have been okay, 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 maybe not okay, maybe, not. and then all of a sudden, bang, in your face, super schlock, blood, heads rolling, <laughs> limbs being thing, people going through minces. It's just like you know, like everywhere. It's just like total, total everywhere. And that a lot of the actors in this this film or, or bit parts are all from ba- bands like Motley Crue and Five. So there's all these characters turn up and they're really, really well acted. And even at the end, after all the credits, you've got these, these people saying, Oh man, I was just, when I was asked to be in this movie, you know, and so, so it's all sort of behind the scenes of what happened and stuff. And so yeah, yeah. I just, man, I want to do this again, man. I want to, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. And it is just, so you've got that beginning. You've got a, a little run up, only a short run up. And what I liked about this, although it was, it was, the things that happened, the, the scenes that happened and as they happened were what well, well, I believe anyway, which I thought were, yeah, okay, that's going to happen. That's not silly. That could, that's how it could go. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I wasn't me. Oh, don't be so blessed. Even though the, the, the blood and guts and gore and all that was like, whoa, this is good. You know, shotguns. And it's just, yeah. it's just a total, total slicey shoot and mince and crack and fest with gushings it, of blood going everywhere. You know, like it, it, it's, amounts of blood that probably you wouldn't even have. You probably wouldn't even have enough blood in the body for what was coming out of some of these. You know what I mean? Is it a bit Evil Dead? Uh, possibly, yeah. There's possibly some nods to Evil Dead. There's possibly okay. some nods to some other films in there. But I didn't really. For, for me, I wasn't. I was just enjoying the film so much that I wasn't getting the. the um, uh, I wasn't yeah, getting be, because I was looking at it. So obviously, I said this film showed up out of nowhere. I have absolutely no clue. I've gone to, gone to look at some of the. Just get some information about it. And one of the things it says that it has Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee of the drummer from Mutley Crew, the one True. who was yeah. famously married to Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Uh, like uh, he just plays a character that's only called Strip Club DJ. Strip and, Club DJ, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And the fact that the fact that you, <laughs> the fact that you have that makes me. It, it, I was I was happy you said like the sort of like a throwback to the eighties because I was like, this sounds very eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been I've been um you know I've been to yeah. Like he says, DJ. I've been to clubs where someone like where people like that DJ in 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 certain times, you know, in certain places. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, but like I say, what I really liked about this was everything was sort of except for here comes the except is the ending. The last ten minutes were stupid. Well, no, they weren't. It wasn't really stupid. It was just. Well, I suppose perhaps maybe it was. But you know, like I've had this thing where you get the big the finale punch up where. Oh, and people, they throw away all the people weapons take because we're so much punishment, so much punishment, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like, God, you know, how can you? Po- oh, right, you might be fit, you might be beefed, you might be like super fit, but you, there's no way you're going to end up being slammed about and thrown about. And it was a bit like that. Um, what was the Florence Pugh film? The uh, Black Widow. A, yeah, Black Widow, where you know some of the things that happen, you just think. That's gonna put you out. You, there's no way you're gonna. There's no way you're gonna get up from that sort of sort of punishment. So, yeah. But I I, I can forgive that because the rest of the film is just just uh, for me. It was just a super. I think I I shouldn't imagine it would appeal to everybody. I should imagine some people would find it quite. I, 
because it was such a throwback to the 80s because some of the cinema crowd went some of the like ben and some of the cinema crowd went and i asked yeah. them what they thought afterwards and they were like oh, so no, the, oh, the people who actually work in the system yeah yeah cinema went to see it but they're they're obviously a lot younger and yet see they like bodies 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 where me and sharon were like <laughs> get out of here you know? <laughs> so so yeah so it is it must just just to be a generation thing i suppose it's like my 70s movies you know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. a throwback to that that I got. But I thought I was yeah. so pleased that I took this one in because I had no preconceptions. I had no idea what it was uh, about. And you said you said it was pretty much in the cinema for one day and it's gone for one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so so how many how many stars did you give this? Well, I'm going to give this a, a four. If it hadn't been for that silly, silly bit of the silly bit of the the fight thing, I probably would have given this a five. But there was enough in it not to. to to stop me giving it a five but yeah. i thoroughly enjoyed this movie i'm so glad i've seen it after what i have seen yeah. so far that this this brought back my faith in cinema <laughs> oh wow a schlocky so, yeah, horror I'm really enthusiastic about a, this a schlocky one. horror bloodbath yeah. and i'm guessing that because it's 80s sort of like nudity as well with tommy lee in it no there's no nudity no nudity. Oh, no no oh, just just in the just the Sleazeball DJ bit. Sleazeball DJ that, bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but that's uh, the in eighties movie. There was always a strip club scene. Always, <laughs> was, just yeah, randomly. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what it. film it was. There was just a strip club scene that's there it. for some reason. Yeah. yeah, but okay. So yeah, it's and that has brought back Sean's faith in cinema. Although speaking about your seventies movies, I remember once trying to watch the film Five Easy Pieces with oh, right, Jack okay, Nicholson. With Jack Nicholson, yeah, and, going and to not Elvis getting thing. why everybody was saying this film was good. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I did, did not. <laughs> I, I, I've watched the film uh, once. It was one of those things where BBC Two, you know, they had like the late night thing where it was usually yeah. introduced by Mark Cousins or someone yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And they would, they would, and they said, oh, this was blah, this was great. It was Milos Forman probably who directed it. And this was blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. That's what, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can understand what you mean there. Yeah, because I mean, some some of those films, some of those uh, films, I agree with you. They 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 sort of were. I mean, Five Easy Pieces was all right. It's a watch, but it wasn't that good. You see, I mean, it's like Easy Rider. I think Easy Rider that's an iconic film, and yet yeah. I just think it's okay. I don't think it's a masterpiece or anything like that. Yeah. I, I guess it was a film of the era. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, see, now, Easy Rider. That's one that I've avoided. I've avoided Easy Rider because I feel like there's too much hype. I feel like there's yeah. too much hype over that film yeah. that it can only disappoint. Yeah, it, that's it. But, Okay, Sorry. all right, let us move on. We're going to move on to the final film that we're going to talk about on this second marathon in a... What? No, no, no. We only did six films last week. Mm -hmm. Okay, anyway. But, um, so, and this is... I've been, I was trying to toss it up between two things to talk about on, on, and I was like, oh, which one should I go? Because I've been, ran, I've been watching random stuff because my daughter has started paying attention to TV now. And so because of that, you can't watch... I don't have choice over what I watch anymore. <laughs> I just don't have that choice over what I watch anymore. So I thought it was between two things I was going to let you guys. I was, I was going to either talk about Call My Agent, which I've been watching. But the whole idea is that I want to watch all of Call My Agents and review all of Call My Agents in one go. So I decided, by the way, Call My Agent, I love it. I think it's really, really good. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to switch. And instead of that, I'm going to talk to you about a film called Fearless. And this is fearless, where the A in the fearless is an at symbol, like what you get in your emails. Ooh. Ooh. So F-E at R-L-E-L-S, L-E-S-S, sorry, which should tell you kind of what film we're going here. Sharon, it's animated. Oh. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's animated and it's one of those things where i have got into the habit of just when i'm sitting down and i'm trying to solve like you know get something to distract my daughter for a while i go onto netflix and i just look for animated movies and i look and i try and pick ones that i feel like i'll be able to stomach because there's some of them that i'm like no not going there no <laughs> not no watching that you're not going I know there that feels like. <laughs> and and there's some of them there's some of them that are that i'm like okay if i'm going to fall asleep i can put it on because it's not being like animal crackers was terrible i i only saw that halfway like it only saw about half the film because i was asleep for the rest of it it's terrible but this is a film called fearless and the whole idea behind it is that it kicks off and you have this kid who plays video games and he's playing this video game and he's he's connect um he's controlling this character and the character is called something like captain lightspear so it's controlling Captain Lightspear, Lightspear is fighting against this thing and it's like an online game so there's a lot of people who sort of, who are playing and going, oh this guy, he's called Fearless, he's one of the best players of this game, he's about to get to the final level, nobody else has ever got to the final level and you get to the final level and they, before the final level comes up, there's a, there's a message that comes up on screen saying, do you accept the consequences? And he's like, yeah, what? Yeah, I'll accept the consequences. And then he, he accepts the consequences. He says yes. And in the in the story of the game, what happens is Cap, uh, Lightspear has three children, has three three babies, quite frankly, who are, who may or may not have powers. He puts them into a superpowered daycare. And then the bad guy, Captain Arcanus, oh no, Dr. Arcanus comes in and kidnaps the kids because he wants to steal the kids' powers for himself. But the kids manage to escape in a very sort of baby's day out kind of way. And... Then, and that's where the, the thing comes up on the screen saying, do you accept the consequences? He says yes. And then what turns out is that there's this weird thing where by saying yes, he opens up a wormhole between the video game and his world. So a wormhole opens up and then these three babies crash crash in his, in his backyard. <laughs> and so he ends up on this night having to babysit these three superpowered babies. There's an element of it that's very The Incredibles. Like, you know, when you have Jack-Jack attack yeah, and yeah. you have the babies that try to look up. The, yeah. You have, imagine you've had three Jack-Jacks and like, you know, and there's all this sort of stuff going on and it becomes this sort of adventure film where Lightspear is trying to get to Earth because he has to save his babies and these three have to keep the babies and there's an element of E.T. because there's the there's the military um the military who are like oh no we've got to get those things there's this but this film is totally totally tongue-in-cheek it is totally it knows what it is it knows what it's aping it knows that it's stupid and it knows what it's making fun of like gabriel union the brilliant actress gabriel union she voices like the head of the military and she just says stuff and her, her dialogue the things she says it's not really like she's making dialogue. It's that like she's just totally talking to you about the kind of things that happen in these films. Like she's like, she's like, now I'm here and now I'm really mad. And now I want to hand me a clipboard. I want to sign something. I want I want someone to hand me a clipboard every two minutes as she's walking. So like, you know, you have that screen where the boss is walking along and someone hands them a clipboard and they sign and they hand them a clipboard and someone else hands them a sign. And she just keeps commenting on everything that she's doing in the film because this is the kind of stuff that happens in these sort of films. Like even at the, towards the end, there's a bit where where everything dies down and the um, one of the people in the military asks them oh would you like a blanket you know the imagine the scene there's an ambulance there the lights are flashing but there's no sound there's no the si the lights are going but the siren isn't going off people are sat in the back of the of ambulance and then someone comes and hands them a blanket and then the the soldier comes and goes oh would you like a blanket and then the the kid goes oh no thanks we're fine why did you hand us a blanket and he's like I don't know we always just give people blankets at these things mm. <laughs> and, and it's that kind of film so 
I, I put this on to sort of distract my daughter. Then after a while, I was like, you know what? Actually, I want to see where this goes. <laughs> I want to see where this goes. So I was surprised at how good it was because it didn't have to be. And some of the the voice actors, like they brought back a rapper called Jadakiss. And I have literally not heard about Jadakiss since the 90s. I don't know what's up with that guy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, Jadakiss, what, what's he doing here? And it's, so I would give this a three out of five. It is, it is definitely kids fair. It is definitely kiddie fair. Is but if you have kids that you have to watch something that they can they can watch and you can watch over their shoulder and be okay with them, I would totally recommend it. I was surprised at how good it was because it was it's a Netflix original, and as we know, Sean, Netflix originals do not hold much sway with us. No, no. <laughs> Netflix originals do not hold much sway with us, and especially because it's a Netflix original kids animated cartoon, it's not going to be Pixar. It's not going to be top top of the range, and but this was one in which it looked like. They actually put some effort into it, oh, and they actually put some thought into it, and there's actually some wit to it, which is a really, really welcome surprise. So I would give it a three out of five. I mean, I have to admit that there was a bit in my mind where I was offered, is it a four? And I thought, no, don't be silly. Don't be silly. <laughs> it's a Netflix animated movie for kids. It might be, it, it, yeah, it's only because of your expectations that you're thinking that it's a three. It's a three. It's a three, and it's a good three. So that is us done for the week. And now all that is left to do is to ask you to, I have been sitting down here with a spreadsheet and I know the answer, but what, what's your intuition? Ooh. Who has won this week? Netflix <sighs> or cinema? Who has, I think who? it's, I think it's either, a, it's got to be very, very close. And I'm just going to take a stab here and say, so we got that for, I'm going to say that cinema might have won it by something like 0.25 or something like I that. I think cinema has pipped it this week. Okay, you think cinema has pipped it this week. Yeah. So, one of, let me put it this way, if we added up all of the scores between these two, it came down to a point, point five, point five, 0.5. 0.5 of a star. <laughs> Get up to 0.5 of a star of who won. Because both of these, both of these have had one four. So we had one four for cinema, one four for Netflix. Both of them had two films that were rated with three, but one of them ended up with a 3.5 and the other one oh. ended up with a three. So you were both right, and yes, cinema. Cinema won this week. Cinema yeah. won this week. Yeah, uh, but by by dint of a point five. I mean, it was a lot closer. What we can say is, it's been a good week all round. It's been a good because week all round. Yeah. We didn't have anything lower than a three. We didn't have anything lower than three because Sharon refused to kick that puppy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, that is it. Okay, and I think right now we've all earned ourselves a drink. Yes. And I'll say that we should all go have that drink and see if there's going to be anything in the cinema next week. Um, oh, I'm looking forward to Don't Worry, Darling, when that film finally gets here and we can talk about the film and not, about the, and not about the furore that's supporting it. I'm tired of hearing about Harry Styles. <laughs> but, uh, but until that time, it is a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And um, yeah, so uh, next Thursday, uh, we'll have to leave pretty early because it's Jackie Brown. 20th anniversary so Ooh. i don't know if you want to come and see that shannon but that's, that's on I thursday i have to give my apologies for next thursday because i'm actually going on holiday tomorrow with my mum and I'm oh taking her lovely we'll have a I'm wonderful time taking her to dorset for a week so oh, we're about in dorset um we're yeah. going to thornton we've got a cottage in thornton which lovely. is just up from bridport yeah bridport lovely know it well okay my okay my great-grandparents are born in bridport 
Okay, so okay. Sh Sharon, I would say just be careful in case the coach got double booked and there's some hunky guy who shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like this rental villa. We've got three bedrooms in ours. So if it has an extra person, they've got their own room. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I'll see All right, you guys, guys next week. We'll see Sharon, you later. Enjoy the holiday. All right. Thank you. Take care Bye, then. Bye. Bye. Bye.